And I always tell people the most powerful question you can ask, the thing that you like least in your life is, why are you here? Got a quick apology to make. Uh, we had some big technical issues with the audio in this recording. Uh, it kept on getting loud and then quiet and was picking up lots of background noise for some reason. But I spent the last four hours trying to do everything I possibly, possibly can to fix it. But yeah, it's still uh, still definitely not perfect. But um, I feel like I'd be doing everyone a massive disservice if I wasn't to post it because our guest, Joe Fotinos, uh, shares some absolutely amazing, amazing advice. So thank you so much in advance for being patient and I hope you really enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm talking with Joel Fotinos, aka the Spiritual Businessman. Joel is Vice President at Penguin Group USA and is the publisher at Tasha and he has written or co-written multiple titles including The Prayer Chest, Multiply Your Blessings, A Little Daily Wisdom, the Think and Grow Rich Starter Kit, and My Life Contract, and his works have been published in 14 languages. He's been featured in numerous magazines and newspapers, and was given Science of Mind magazine's first Spiritual Hero of the Year award. He travels all over the US, giving workshops and talks on spirituality and inspiration, and consults with businesses and individuals to help them create success, fulfillment, and purpose. Welcome to the show, Joel. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for uh, having me here. And now that we got all of that out of the way, now we can talk. <laughs> the Spiritual Businessman, that's some title. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, half of my life is working as a corporate executive and the other half I'm a minister. And so I like to bring the kind of uh, left brain corporate ideals into the spiritual world and the spiritual ideas into the business world and bring the two together. It's interesting because that's one of the things I was actually going to ask about later. Like, how, how do you feel that, because from the surface, these might seem like, um, conflicting things, but actually, like, how do like one complement the other? Like, you know, because I think you obviously take things from your spiritualness, um, your spiritual kind of like background, and actually, does, do you feel like that complements and actually helps your business, and vice versa? Absolutely, I, I absolutely feel that way. Uh, on the surface, they sound like two very different aspects or or, or different uh, ways of walking through the world. Uh, but when I look at it from a higher place, they both fulfill a mission that I have, which is to help people live the best lives they possibly can. And it's just two different ways of doing the same thing. And for me, it's a lot of fun because when I speak to business audiences and, and bring in some spiritual principles, not heavy duty, but just some nice spiritual ideals, they love it. They really absolutely love it. And they eat it up and they, and they want to hear more about it. And conversely, when I speak to spiritual audiences and I, I bring in some of the, the lessons that I've learned from, you know, corporate America and being a very successful businessman, both here in the corporation and as an entrepreneur, they love it. And uh, so it's speaking two different languages that really ultimately say the exact same thing, which is you are here to be fulfilled. You are here to live your life of joy. I love that. And I think... Um... I think I think we're moving in a really positive direction. So you're saying how people do are open to these new things. I, I, I've said this in, in a couple of interviews, but it, it made me laugh. There was um, an interview right, you know, it was 
months back with um, a guy called Peter Russell and he was um, I think it was back in the 80s he was brought on by companies actually to teach their top uh, executives meditation but it was almost seen as a dirty word like it was he was almost having to like secretly come in and take him to the boardroom meeting and no one really knew what his job was or what his role was and he was teaching them mindfulness and meditation and now I mean yeah like you know we're much more open to these kind of things so I think it's it's, it's, it's moving the right direction <laughs> yeah actually one of the authors that I work with who is a meditation author he gets hired now by corporations all around the country and uh, goes in and teaches the top executives meditation so i think you're right it's changing and people are more open to all of this now <laughs> taking things way back uh, earlier on in your life you had huge personal debt you were crippled financially emotionally spiritually and you felt complete like despair and depression what how did you manage to turn that all around Wow. Yeah. So that's true. I, I had nearly $60,000 worth of personal credit card debt. I had 23 active credit cards and I was in my late twenties. <laughs> and, you know, I joke and say that they kept sending me more credit cards. So I figured the credit card companies knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> they just giving me more. Uh, but at a certain point it did become a real problem and it became so stifling and dark and I felt the weight and the shame and the guilt and the frustration and the hopelessness that debt can cause people to feel. And now that I've spoken about it all over, people come up and say they, they can relate to that. And, um, you know, I, I tried a number of different things. I always say that I'm the guinea pig for all the methods to get out of debt. And what I eventually found was that most of the methods don't really work. The only thing that works is to begin being consistent in your life and to spend time every day making sure that you have a clear goal and working towards it um, every single day. And uh, I tell the story in my book, My Life Contract, about how when I was trying to get clear about how much debt I was in, I took all of my receipts and my statements and everything into uh, the financial uh, advisor that I made an appointment with and he had one of those old calculators that had the white tape, you know, <laughs> tape come up and tick, 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 and he kept doing that and the paper got longer and longer and longer and uh, finally at the end he pulled off the paper and he said I've got great news for you he said if you do not spend another penny on your credit cards and if you just get a little bit of a raise every single year it will only take you 23 years to get out of debt and he thought that was like the best news ever. He thought he had figured out a plan for me. And I just, you know, I, I don't mean this really seriously, but I, I felt like I almost wanted to kill myself because I thought there was no future for me. 23 years just seemed like forever. And um, so I just made a, a determination right then and there that that was not going to be true for me. I was going to find a different way. And this is where having a spiritual side and a, a business side together comes into play because on the business side, it was pretty clear what to do, kind of what he was saying. You have to stop using your credit cards. Okay, that's not brain surgery. But on the spiritual side, what I needed to do is I needed to kind of go within and find out why did this happen in the first place. And one of the things that I believe very strongly is that when something shows up in your life, Instead of just trying to get rid of it, ask it a very simple question. Why are you here? So I began asking my debt. It sounds very woo-woo, but I began taking a journal, and I would write letters to my debt. And I would say, dear debt, 
why are you here in my life? And I began having a relationship with my dad. And what I thought at first would happen is when I would write a letter to dad and say, why are you here? I hate you. You make me feel horrible. I feel so guilty and terrible. And, and I feel like I, I, I'll never get out of debt. And, and why are you here? And I, I would sign it. And then what I would do is I would turn the page. And I would take a couple deep breaths. And then I would just answer my own letter as if debt were answering the letter back to me. And um, what debt would say to me would be things like, Dear Joel, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you have a better relationship with money and therefore to have a better relationship with yourself. And it began a relationship that I had with money that um, ended up turning me from having a very dysfunctional uh, relationship to having a very healthy, wonderful relationship. And instead of 23 years to get out of debt, I got out of debt in about three and a half years. And, um, and then from then, I created new goals of financial goals uh, so that I had a certain amount of money in the bank and, and uh, made a certain amount of money at my job. And I exceeded all of those. And I just kept doing that until I became very prosperous. And, and, um, and what I realized now is that that debt that was there, I could have just stayed with that. And I could have listened to that financial advisor and gotten out of debt in 23 years, which probably would be like this morning. <laughs> That's probably about 23 years ago, actually. Um, and that would have been okay. But instead, I began a relationship with the very thing that I thought was the worst thing in my life. And th walking through that relationship with it changed it and changed me. And uh, what I thought was the worst thing in the world ended up being one of the best things. Because here I am, 23 years later, talking about this very process and helping I've you know hopefully been able to help thousands of people over the years with their debt and their relationship with money um, as well so do you, think um, that, do you think that translates into all sort of facets of life anything which is um, seen as sort of like uh, negative or something you know we've got to first you know change our internal um, relationship, whatever, whatever that pain is, whatever that struggle is. And then do you think by, by focusing on uh, that internalness, because by, cause you, you addressed it, you didn't just look at the debt, which maybe is like the, the physical realization. There's obviously a lot of stuff going on. So do you think that's how we should start and approach all sorts of problems by first really getting to the, the core of it? Like, I don't know exactly, I didn't really articulate that well, but do you know kind of what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. And the answer is I do think that's that's what we should do. Uh, the method that I described I call writing a soul letter because clearly I wasn't writing these letters to a thing called debt. It was really a, an aspect of myself that I was trying to have a conversation with that was masked as debt. Uh, but I've now used these soul letters in every part of my life and I've taught them for years. And, and the stories of people who do this um, are amazing. Uh, there was a woman who used soul letters uh, because she had just been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And so she wrote a letter to her breast cancer. And I always tell people the most powerful question you can ask, the thing that you like least in your life is, why are you here? So she said, dear breast cancer, why are you here? You know, I don't want to have this. I'm scared of dying. And she just laid out everything she could in the letter. 
and then you turn the page, take a couple breaths, and you just, it's not that you're accessing anything out there, you're just accessing a different part of yourself, or maybe the part of you that isn't so afraid, and, um, but we call it by whatever it is that we are afraid of. And so her breast cancer wrote her back a letter and said, uh, dear uh, so-and-so, I'm not here to hurt you, I'm here because I love you. And then went on to say that it wasn't cancer that was there, it was little pockets of hate that this woman had felt about herself all of these years, that she had hated herself and had treated herself so poorly. And, she, and, and in the letter it said, I'm here to remind you that you can't hate yourself, you have to love yourself. And so in the process of healing, you will learn to love yourself, and I am here to help you. And that was so powerful for her because no longer did the uh, breast cancer uh, feel like something that was, um, uh, you know, a fait accompli or that she had no control over. Now she felt like she was in relationship with it, and she was able to work with her doctors and, and all of the, the different kinds of healers that she was working with both Western and Eastern type healers, and she ended up uh, beating the cancer. And in the process of doing it, she really did learn to love herself. And as she learned to love herself, she fell in love with one of the doctors, and they got married. Isn't that awesome? That's an amazing story. But that's, that all just comes from one simple question, which is, why are you here? The very thing we're so afraid of, if we just say, why are you here? and begin a relationship with it, it just transforms. We don't have to run from it anymore. We can stop and and be empowered by it rather than, you know, be diminished by it. That's, I love that. That's such a fantastic story. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's so interesting. I've never, really, I've, yeah, I've never heard it being described like that. You know, just taking, taking, you know, the worst things, the biggest fears, the biggest stresses, and just, yeah, like, why are you here? I love it. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, it's it's a way of going through life where we are not ruled by fear. And um, I was I was noticing there was a period of time a few years ago when I was watching a lot of horror movies, if you know what I mean, like the uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Sure. <laughs> uh, I can't even think of all of the names of them now. Um, uh, Shining, all these like yeah, gory oh, or like <laughs> yeah. I, I know what you. I, I know what you did last summer and all, all of those. Anyway, Halloween um, and what I and I was watching them and I, I wasn't even sure why I was watching them. And I thought, what is what is it in these movies that is speaking to me right now? And one thing I noticed in those movies is that for the first two thirds of the movie, all the people in the movie are scared to death of the thing that's trying to kill them. And so they're running from that thing and they're trying to hide. And the thing that they're trying to hide from always, always shows up. You know, it's always right behind them or right behind the door. But in every single one of those movies, a point happens where they think, I can't live this way anymore. And they turn around and instead of being hunted by the thing that they're afraid of, they start trying to hunt and find that thing, whether it's Freddy or the, the boogeyman in any of those movies. And the minute that they turn around and try to find the thing that has been finding them, it shifts the whole movie. And of course they end up winning at the end of the movie. And I thought that's what this is, is we are so afraid of the things 
of certain things in our life, and when we're afraid of them, it's like they are chasing us. It's like that they are always right where we are, and we think we've escaped them using maybe uh, alcohol or uh, shopping or, for me, credit cards or sex or this or that or watching TV or spending hours on the, the computer, and we think we've got a handle on it, and yet it always pops up right there. And it's always there. So when we get active and turn around and say, no, you're not going to hunt me anymore. I'm now going to look for you. Then suddenly we are not ruled by it. We are taking control of our life uh, and, um, and being empowered. And it always changes things. Why are you here is such a great question. That's fantastic. And energy follows action. Why is just... I know that's I know that's an idea and a phrase which is you know you, you, which you, is important to you. Like, why is just starting so important? You know, even if we've got no idea what's going on, energy follows action. Why is that so important? Uh, because it's the formula for life. And I was one of those people for many years that tried to live the other way. I, I kept saying to myself, I will do better as soon as I have more money. I will, uh, I, I will be more charitable as soon as I pay off my debt. I will do this as soon as that happens. And what ended up happening is nothing happened. I stayed stuck. I, ca- I kept not moving. And then I, I recognized that uh, the things that I wanted to happen couldn't happen until I was actually in action. So um, I had to begin by taking action. And as soon as I took action, the whole energy of the situation uh, changed uh, completely. And I see that both on the spiritual side, just what we've been talking about, you know, uh, once we take action, even by asking the thing that we're afraid of, why are you here? That's taking action and changing things. But I also see it on the business side that, uh, you know, if there's a a business problem, we have to turn around and begin to affect the the, uh, situation rather than wait for things to change first. it just is a very powerful uh, formula. So when, uh, whenever anybody is stuck, I always ask them, what action can you take today? And by taking that action today, you are literally changing uh, the whole situation. Now, the last... And they, don't, they can be little, uh, little actions. Little baby steps. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it was like, if you want to, you know, you certainly want to just get more healthy, then just, just start by having just, you know, just a glass of water. It's just, it doesn't matter. It's just, you're just, you're getting the balls of motion just in action. You know, you want, you want to, you want to, yeah, do a marathon, just put your trainers on, then take them off. It doesn't matter. You, you put your trainers on, you're, 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 you're one step closer. That's right. And, and then it, once you do it the first time, it's easier to do it the second time. And then once you do it a second time, it just keeps getting easier and easier to stay in that new habit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so really, it's there are so many people who come to my uh, talks or workshops, and they say that they feel stuck in life. And the first thing I have them do is I, I always say, "See that chair right there? Go sit down and write down ten things you could do today, and then come back to me." And so they'll do that, come back, and I'll say, "Okay, pick three and go do them right now." And they circle the three, and then they go off and do them. And then I usually get emails later saying, "That was like magic." And it's not like magic. It's just them now creating a different energy by taking action. Yeah. And over the, over the last 20 or 30 years, I mean, you've, you've, you've said you've read literally thousands of self-help books. You've attended hundreds of motivational workshops, lectures. And I think you've been to every kind of self-improvement organization there is, 12 Steps, Weight Watchers, and countless others. And you realize, actually, there's a formula, isn't there, behind all of these, a simple sort of map 
to how life works. Can you maybe just elaborate on what you mean by that? Sure, yeah. I, what I notice is that underneath all of these things, there is, there is a little map, and it's very simple and very clear. And once you see what the map is, you'll see it in every single thing, uh, that in, in any kind of self-help or improvement philosophy or program. And the map is simply, I, I have, uh, it's in, in the book, I have a map, uh, a picture, and it's a triangle. And at the top of the triangle is the goal that you want or the you you want to be. And then at one, on, uh, one end of the triangle at the bottom is you now, and the other end is life. And what I say is that when you want something, you and life work together to get it. And by doing that, you enter into a contract with life to get the thing that it is that you want. And like any contract, I'm a businessman, so I deal with contracts all day long. And like any contract, there are things that you need to do, and there are things that life will do. And the things that we need to do are very simple. Um, and um, they're, they're, uh, I identified six very simple things that we need to do. And then life has two very simple things that it does. And so I'll, if you want, I'll go over quickly the six things. Absolutely. That'd be lovely. Yeah. So the things that we need to do, so say you have a goal. For me, uh, maybe originally my goal was to go from nearly $60,000 worth of debt to zero. So my goal was zero, zero debt. So the six things are, number one, get clear about where you're starting from. And so for me, that was about going to the financial advisor, having him say, this is exactly how much debt that you have. And it brought clarity for me so I knew exactly where I was beginning from. The second thing is to get clear about what it is that you want. Well, the thing at the top of the triangle is the thing that you want. And for me, that was zero debt. That's very clear. The clearer you are about the thing that you want, the better it is because now you know where you're going. And then the third thing is to make a decision. And if this isn't like a decision like what restaurant are you going to go eat at? Not, not at that level. This is like a life decision. You know, are you going to really pursue this thing or not? And it's those moments when, when you get really uh, clear with yourself and you have that kind of, uh, what they say, a come to Jesus talk with yourself and you say, this is it, I'm going to do this. And then once you do make a decision that, yes, you're going to do it, the first thing you have to do is take action immediately. So for me, once I said, yes, I can't live this way anymore, um, you know, I, I, I have to get out of debt, I'm, I'm going to decide to do it. The first thing I did was cut up my 23 credit cards. That was a horrible night. I was <laughs> painful. I had some glasses of wine to help me through it. Uh, I ended up cutting up all the credit cards, and then I was so forlorn about that that I ended up pasting, uh, putting them all together and, and taping them all on pages of notebooks. And I still have that notebook to this day, by the way, but I... I I, I didn't use them from that point forward. So that was my take action immediately was cut up my credit cards and stop using them. Then uh, the next thing, the fifth thing, is what I call C and P, the letter C and the letter P. C means consistent and P means persistent. So consistent means every single day. Persistent means especially the days you don't want to. <laughs> so for me at that goal, uh, being consistent meant not using my credit cards every single day. And persistent me means that there were days that I would try to rationalize and say, well, you know what, 
you know, I really need this, and and they don't, uh, I don't have enough cash, and I would just try to rationalize it, but I had to be persistent. So, consistent and persistent, C and P. That's really the 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 key ingredient for everything. And then the sixth thing is what I call strive for excellence. So you just keep trying to be better at this practice uh, or what it is that you're trying to go to than you were the day before. You just do the best you can every day. You don't have to try to be perfect because perfect, what is perfect? But excellent, we, we all know what is excellent for ourselves to do. So that's on our side of the contract. So that's how it looked for me uh, when I was trying to get out of debt. But for Weight Watchers, for instance, now you can see how it works for that. The first thing is get clear where you are. So when you go to a Weight Watchers meeting, the first thing you do is step on a scale. That's where you are. The second thing is get clear about what you want. In Weight Watchers, what they do is they give you a goal, and they, they tell you that you have 13 weeks to uh, accomplish this goal, and it's, I think, losing 10% of your body weight. So they So if you start at this... They say, this is your goal for the next 13 weeks. So it's a very clear number. Mm. The third is make a decision. Am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? Am I going to stay? Am I not going to stay? So if you say, yes, I'm going to do this, then the fourth thing is take action immediately. Well, that means you have to eat within the guidelines that Weight Watchers puts out. You get a certain number of points and and uh, the food all have points. So you, you start using that program. C&P is the fifth thing, being consistent and persistent, which means every single day you eat in the program that they set out for you. Some days are really, really hard. That's the persistent part. And then six, strive for excellence. You know, maybe today I used all my points and went over by two extra. So tomorrow I'm going to try to be even better and uh, just stay within my points and, and be excellent. So if you do it with uh, AA, you can see the same yeah. Six steps. Look at any program and you will see those are the six steps underneath all of them. The hard part for us is that life's part of the contract has two points that life needs needs to do to fulfill the contract, and that is how and when. How we get what it is we want and when we get it. And those are the two things we want the most. We want those on our side of the contract, but they're not on our side of the contract. So what I have found is so many people spend so much time trying to control the how and the when that they ignore their part of the contract, and then they get very stuck and say, I don't know why this isn't working. And as I talk to them, they'll say, well, I was doing my side of the contract, but but I didn't see how it was going to come to me. I didn't see how my thing was going to come to me. Right, because how is not your responsibility. You know, back then when I had all that debt and he said that it was going to take 23 years to get out of debt, I didn't see how I could get out of debt any faster than that because he had a clear plan. But when I began to just focus on the things that are my part of the contract with life to get out of debt, how took care of itself, and instead of 23 years, it was three and a half years. So that's very simple, uh, and I go into more detail in the book, of course, uh, about each one of these things, but very simply put, that's how I have seen life seems to work for us. If we just stay focused on the things that we are, that are ours to do, and let life take care of what it's to do, then um, in that way we are working with life to get the thing that it is that we want. That's absolutely fascinating. I love that. You're right, because every time we always... When things, you know, oh, it's, it's not happening fast enough or this or that, we're, we're stressing about 
responsibility, which isn't ours. Just focus. These are our jobs. Six steps. Focus on them. Let life take care of its bit. And then, interesting. And the funny thing is, when when we let go of the how and the when, the how will absolutely amaze us, and the when will always be faster than we think. But if we focus on the how and the when, it's like, it becomes very elusive. It's like, uh, I can't see how this is going to happen, or as you said, it's not happening fast enough. Mm. And the minute we get into that, we're not in our side of the contract anymore. Now we're messing with life side of the contract. I love that. I read, um, I read your answer to an interview question, um, which um, yeah, on, on another interview, which I found really, really interesting. I think a lot of us could learn a lot from it. You, you were asked, how do you manage to fit it all in? Being corporate executive, author, active minister, you travel all around the place, you're a family man. How do you manage to fit it all in? And you said that you don't view these things as separate things, uh, but all aspects of the same thing. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that actually came from, there was a period of my life when I had so many things uh, on my plate. Actually, I had so many plates. <laughs> it wasn't even just one plate. I had all these plates, and I was feeling a lot of anxiety. I was feeling like I had so much to do, and I was under pressure. And again, I just wrote a letter, a soul letter, and I said, why is all this stuff here? I love all of it, but there's so much of it that it feels like it's, you know, there's a lot of weight here. And... Um, and I, so I wrote a letter, and uh, the soul letter, and the answer back came uh, to me was, you're not doing a lot of different things. You're only doing one thing. And that shifted everything for me because I realized that was true. All of those things that I was doing were really aspects of the same one thing, which is just showing up, trying to live the most authentic life I can and helping others to do the same. And... Um, and so as soon as I had that shift of perception about this, suddenly it didn't seem like a burden at all because I wasn't doing all of these things. I was only doing one thing all day long. And um, it became such a joy uh, to do all of it. Yeah, I love it. And it was, do you think it's important just to, with that clarity, then it's once you know that sort of the why, the driving force, the energy behind everything, then you can probably clearly quite see that yeah, these are all the same things. If something isn't the same thing, then it's probably, once you're very crystal clear on your why, then it's probably quite clear when there is something which doesn't fit into that, and then you right, let that one go. But then, yeah, it probably creates a lot of clarity, which I, I think is really fascinating. It does, and it, it also um, gets, uh, gets rid of the constrictions of, um, of things that you can't do because you don't have enough time for it. Now, if all I want to do all day long is help people fulfill their life and fulfill my own life, it doesn't matter the form that that comes in. It could be in a conversation with somebody on the subway. And I'm, I'm fulfilling it in the exact same way as I am being at a budget meeting here because I know that the budget meeting is not a budget meeting. It's a way of financing books that are going to change people's lives. And so everything is about shifting the perspective so that you see it from a higher point of view, I think. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? For me, a fulfilled life, um, I would say for me, a fulfilled life means a, a life of freedom. Um, Thomas Merton, the Christian mystic, once, had, uh, once said something um, where somebody asked him about happiness. And he said, the question, am I happy, is the wrong question. He said, the real question is, am I free? 
And I have spent years thinking about that one question, am I free, and finding what I'm not free from and trying to have a relationship with those things so that I'm no longer bound by them or running from them, but instead I can be free from them. And for me, a fulfilled life is a life where I am free to live it as fearlessly as I possibly can, as joyfully as I possibly can, and as uh, conscious as I possibly can. And that begins, in my mind, with the word freedom. Am I free? That's a great answer. What is one thing all our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? Well, I would say the, the one thing I would ask them to do is what we just talked about. Think of the thing that is uh, the problem in your life, the biggest negative in your life, um, the thing that scares you the most, the thing that makes you the most angry or upset. And just get out a simple piece of paper or a journal. It doesn't have to be fancy. It could just be a, a, a piece of journal paper. Uh, and ask a question, why are you in my life? And then just take a breath and just access that part of you and just write the answer and see what comes up and begin changing your relationship with the thing that that scares you uh, or that that brings you fear and instead have a relationship with it and um, transform it. And are there any books or resources which have changed or had a big impact on you? Yes, I would say some of the books that have had a big impact on me uh, were a book called Thinking Rich by Napoleon Hill, um, which really was not so much about thinking or riches. It was about growing. And uh, that was a book that, uh, on the surface, people think it's a book about making millions of dollars. But actually what it is is it's a book about pursuing your passions. And in the, in the pursuit of your passions, life will support you and you will be remunerated in many ways uh, through that pursuit. So that book had a big in influence on me. The books by Thomas Merton always have a big influence on me, and a book called The Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes also, uh, to help me learn how to think differently so that I can see things from a higher perspective. Last but not least, how can people stay in touch, find out more about you and your work? Oh, that's so great. Uh, they can go to my website, which is joelfotinos.com, J-O-E-L-F-O-T-I-N-O-S.com, and uh, there's a contact page. Joel, this was absolutely fascinating. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Duncan. I appreciate it so much. <laughs>